Everybody, welcome back to episode two. We're glad to have you with us. Glad we didn't scare you away. You're still with us walking through this season two. Mary-Kate, are you ready to roll for season two, episode two? Sure thing. The enthusiasm is just oozing. I can... Woohoo! Is that better? <laughs> there we go. I think we need more uh, sparkling waters to sparkling get us water. going. Yeah. <laughs> the, the problem, folks, is that we have this really lovely fireplace behind us, and it's really warm, and it's really cozy. However, the downside is that it does make us a little sleepy, so we got to be praying for God's grace to be with us, to pump us up, uh, so that we can communicate to you the topic that we want to talk about today, which is really exciting. I'm really excited to talk about this. But before we get into it, as just kind of a warm-up, I thought, Mary-Kate, you and I could talk about what it was like as kids when we got sick. Yeah. Because every family, every child has their own sort of traditions, what it is that they ate when they were sick, any other kind of like traditions that you had as a family whenever you or your siblings got sick. So Mary Kay, what were some of the staples in the household, the Bud household, when someone was sick? Yeah, so I mean, obviously Verner's, which oddly enough, I actually really don't like Verner's. Now I'm, or ne- like you've never I've had? I've never liked Verner's. Okay. Um, and I so I feel like I'm like the odd duck here in Michigan because everybody drinks Verner's when they're sick. See, but I didn't drink it at all growing up, but oh, really? now I'm doing it because I give in to peer pressure and just do what everyone around me is doing. And, you know, I, I think it's more of a mental game than anything. Like maybe there's some sort of help that it does, but I think it's more like a psychological sort of like, okay, I have my ginger ale. I'm going to be okay. It's like, are you? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But, but hey. yeah, so I mean, my mom would force burners down my throat, but... Other than that, you know, just stay in bed, watch movies, kind of just take it easy. Did you have any, like, specific movie that was your go-to when you were sick? Probably older movies, like things that were made in, like, the 40s and the 50s. Those were always probably our go-tos on the VHS player, you know, pop the tape in and watch a good old musical or something like that. I know I was telling you about this before. When we had chicken pox one time, we sat on the couch and watched Little House on the Prairie for like a week straight. That's right. That's right. <laughs> it was great. But yeah, that was that was kind of just, you know, take it easy kind of a thing that we did. What about you? Yeah, so I think one of the movies I would watch consistently when I was sick was The Lion King. So <laughs> just just like you said, you pop in the VHS and so now yeah, every time I, I see it I get flashbacks to when I was a kid and had a cold or something. I think another Yeah. <laughs> I think another um Staple was probably goldfish crackers, grape juice, and toast without the crust. Usually I wasn't very picky about that. Like I wasn't one of those, oh, I can't have the crust on my sandwich. But for some reason, when I'm sick, I had my toast. I didn't want the crust. Interesting. Yeah. Did you ever, whenever you were sick, did you ever get from the doctor's office like that, like pink liquid medicine? So, the yeah, there was one that tasted really good, and yeah. then there was one that tasted really bad. Like, yeah. there was none in between. It was, yeah. yeah. So, which, which one were you referring to? The good kind. Okay, okay. That was the good kind. I had one time, I had this white medicine. I don't know if you ever had, or if anybody else listening has ever had, you know, when one of those kinds of sicknesses that you get as a kid, I guess, and that was just, oh my gosh, that was awful. Or like the nasty awful. cough medicine. Ooh. Man, our listeners are probably like, oh, I need to wash my mouth out with something. Ginger ale. Hey, there you go. Apparently all the cool kids are doing it. So, Apparently I don't, you know, 
hey. go under peer pressure over here, but you do. Good for you. Good for you. <laughs> Proud of you. Thanks. <laughs> Good. Anyhow, so yeah, getting into the topic for today, we're going to be talking about the anointing of the sick. And we feel like it's a timely topic because everyone right now, I feel like, is getting sick from colds to COVID. I mean, my own kids have been dealing with runny noses and they're getting teeth too. So that might be part of it. But, and I feel like this episode is going to be a reminder to us that we all need Christ because he is the divine physician and he can give us everything that we need when we're well and when we're not feeling well. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it, it'll be a good refreshing episode on, you know, what, what exactly is the anointing of the six? So mm-hmm. I think so, because in addition, when we're when we're physically suffering, when we're physically ill, I mean, there's a number of things that go along with that, right? It begins to take a mental toll, mm-hmm. it can take a spiritual toll, an emotional toll. When we're calling Christ the divine physician, asking him to to bring his healing into those places, it's not just the the physical things that we want healing for, but all the other things that get entailed in those situations as well is is one of the reasons why we wanted to discuss this topic this evening. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess we'll start. Padre, is there a difference between anointing of the sick and the last rites? That is a very good question. It's one that constantly gets confused. There's a lot that needs to be clarified there. So I'm going to try my best to explain it as best I can. And if you feel like I'm leaving something out or if you still have questions, please feel free to add to it because I think this is one of the most common misconceptions. So anointing of the sick and last rites. There's an overlap between the two, but they're not the exact same thing. They're used in two different situations. So older generations who may be listening to this, or if you're listening to this and you have heard things from older generations, they will almost always be thinking about something called last rites or um, extreme unction, it was also called. And you might have heard stories about how back in the day, and, and some of you may still have these crosses where you remove part of the cross slides out and there's like a sick kit right there ready for when father comes and he can pray extreme unction. He can give the last rites to someone who's like on their deathbed. But the understanding is still out there that you can only receive something that has to do with anointing when you're on your deathbed. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, is that last rites is not a sacrament, like a single sacrament. It's not called the sacrament of last rites. Last rites, plural, refers to three sacraments that you receive all at once. So if you are getting close to death, you can receive the last rites, which are anointing of the sick, communion as viaticum, and uh, confession can be offered as well. So there's a quote in the catechism that I thought framed this kind of well, because when we talk about Sacraments of initiation, right? The, the sacraments that initiate us into the life of the church. We talk about baptism, confirmation, and Eucharist, right? Those are the three sacraments that start us out on our journey of faith. But then we have these last rites. These are like the last three sacraments that should be very near and dear to us when we're at the end of our life. So the catechism talks about how penance, anointing of the sick, and the Eucharist as viaticum constitutes at the end of the Christian life the sacraments that prepare for our heavenly homeland or the sacraments that complete the earthly pilgrimage. So that's like a basic overview of the difference between last rites and anointing of the sick. We're going to get into more detail on what exactly anointing of the sick consists of and like who qualifies for it. Last rites are the last three sacraments you receive when you're 
at the moment of death. Do you think that's clear enough or did it, is there anything else that you would kind of clarify there? The only thing else that I would add is I liked, and you kind of touched on this a little bit. I liked when we were talking about it earlier, how you said anointing of the sick is only one sacrament while the last rites is three, because right. a lot of times when people are listing out the sacraments, they'll say the last rites right. when it's really just no anointing of the sick. Correct. Because I feel like, you know, that's a good clarification because I know I've even probably said it before where I've said, oh, yeah, and then you have the last rites, but it's really not. It's just anointing of the sick. So Sure, yeah. sure. So what about when you're not in danger of death? How sick do you have to be to qualify for anointing? Good. So it needs to be more than like a paper cut, right? Like there's got to be some sort of standard here or like I have a little case of the sniffles. Like, sorry, that's not for I'll, – I'll say a prayer for you, but – sacrament of the anointing of the sick has like some sort of standard, right? Mm -hmm. So I actually just pulled sort of word for word from the right for anointing of the sick so Mm -hmm. that you know exactly what it is that the church gives us in terms of, yeah, how sick do you have to be in order to reach out to a parish priest and request anointing? So the first thing that stuck out to me when I was going back through the instruction that's in the right is that the church says, great care and concern should be taken to see that those of the faithful whose health is seriously impaired by sickness or old age, receive this sacrament. Okay, so the first thing I wanted to note there is that with that word seriously, so seriously impaired by sickness, there's actually a footnote where um, it it goes into greater detail as to, well, what do you mean by seriously impaired? And uh, it, it clarifies, on the one hand, the sacraments may and should be given to anyone whose health is seriously impaired, On the other hand, it may not be given indiscriminately or to any person whose health is not seriously impaired. So again, I think that's just a good bit of wisdom from the church to say, yeah, we want to be generous. We don't want to save this for someone who's going through something super drastic right at the end of life. We want to be able to be generous in who it is that can receive this sacrament. But at the same time, we do have to have some sort of standard so that it's not just a paper cut or the sniffles, right? It it should be associated with some level of seriousness. Mm -hmm. Now, it doesn't say something like, you have to be exactly this kind of sickness or when you reach exactly this level. I mean, the the church kind of leaves it in a gray area. It's not exactly black and white. But, I mean, one example could be, I don't know, something like, getting COVID after childbirth. I mean, <laughs> that seems like a kind of serious situation to me, don't you think, Mary-Kate? Yeah, Kate? yeah, yeah. I, I would agree with that. Yeah, do you have anybody in your life who may be able to relate to that at all? Or Yeah, actually, I do. Funny that you bring that up. So I actually had my twins in August, and at the beginning of August, they came home from the NICU on August 15th which was a Sunday, Feast of the Assumption. That Thursday, Jason brought me to the emergency room with COVID-19. And while I was still in the emergency room, before I was admitted to the COVID isolation wing, Father Kev here came to give me anointing of the sick. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, I knew there was a connection (laughs) somewhere. So between having the boys and being admitted for COVID, it was about, it was less than two weeks. So my body really wasn't up to working against the disease yet. And so at that point in time, you heard my confession, you gave me Jesus in the Eucharist, and you anointed me. Which, just to clarify, even though that's three sacraments combined, it wasn't the same as last rites. I did not give you last rites, even though those are the three sacraments associated with last rites. Just wanted to clarify. Yeah, because I remember you actually asked me, do you want me to hear your confession? And I said, yeah, sure, why not, you know? Mm -hmm. 
thinking back on that, you know, being in an emergency room and you hearing my confession and everything, it kind of almost makes me want to cry. Because the bravery of our priests, especially in the past two years, coming to us in our need, you know, with with everything that's been going on with COVID and whatnot, and just the mercy of the Father in that moment. If I hadn't pulled through, that could have very well been my last confession. And it brings me such joy and consolation to know that I had the opportunity to receive reconciliation with Christ when I when I truly needed it. And then I was able to receive Christ into my newly cleansed soul. And it was really powerful, mm. really incredibly powerful. I remember thinking that at the time and even just looking back on it, knowing what I know now about how sick I was. Because the nurses told me they were scared that I wasn't going to make it. And mm-hmm. they were doing everything they could to make sure I made it because I had literally just had newborns. Right. And yeah, so, I, I technically wasn't supposed to be yeah. in there but everyone heard about your situation and they're like yeah you're getting in here and you're you're exactly. gonna go pray for her because this is a pretty extreme situation yeah they were all like wait what you just you just gave birth yeah. like less than two weeks ago <laughs> and so then father adam came and he prayed with me and anointed me as well mm-hmm. and that anointing was special to me because at that point i'd been in the isolation unit for a few days and as an extrovert it was emotionally draining Mm. because I was away from my loved ones with no social interaction. The only people I saw were the nurses. And then Padre Adam comes waltzing into my room and it was really good to see a friendly face. And I feel like even if I hadn't known him at that point in time, like I didn't, you know, it was just a priest coming in, it would have been fantastic because I knew that I was getting the graces of the sacrament and getting to know this priest is praying for me and Mm -hmm. he's here for me. Mm-hmm. being Christ to me in that situation, essentially. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, from a, from a priest's perspective, it's a, it's a great gift whenever I'm able to provide the sacrament because I know that it's such an important moment in that person's life. So I always try to be faithful, even if it's, you know, in the middle of the night and the bed is warm and cozy and I'm getting a good night's sleep. It's like, you know what, like hearing testimonies like this, it's just like how much people appreciate in the moment receiving the sacrament is always then it's a great privilege for me to be able to then administer that sacrament in those times. So, exactly. Yeah, thank you for uh, for sharing all that. And we might continue to kind of tap into some of the graces that you had in, in that time and some of the struggles as well with what you had to go through with being in that unit. But mm-hmm. just to wrap up then this section, so we talked about there's some sort of standard, there has to be some sort of uh, seriousness to the health concern. Another thing that the rights for anointing talks about is that a sick person may be anointed before surgery whenever a serious illness is the reason for the surgery. Okay, so this happens all the time. Somebody has a heart issue, they need to go in and get surgery on their heart, they're going to be put under, they can feel free to get anointed beforehand. So if you're going into surgery, feel free to reach out to uh, your priest. Another one that's kind of interesting, the right says elderly people may be anointed if they have become notably weakened even though no serious illness is present. Okay, so again, the language is sort of vague there. The church is trying to be generous to say, okay, you've got 80-year-old grandma. She's got no serious health concerns, nothing necessarily jumping out of her medical report. And yet at the same time, the toll of life, she's notably weakened. Well, she qualifies for the sacrament. Again, Mother Church, she's trying to be generous with being able to share God's graces for us in in times of physical suffering such as this. However, there's also one other note on there that I wanted to cover is that someone who has a serious mental issue such as maybe something like PTSD or severe 
depression. The, the church allows for someone who is going through great mental anguish because of some sort of mental illness to receive the sacrament as well. So that's kind of, you know, gets you started into thinking these are the kinds of things that can qualify you for the sacrament. So hopefully that answers your question of how sick do you have to be? Well, there's not an exact black and white criteria, but hopefully that gets your mind going on what the church is thinking about. Mm -hmm. So what exactly does the sacrament of the anointing of the sick do? Yeah, so this is a good question because sometimes somebody gets anointed and then they don't necessarily get physically better. So then the question was, well, why did I get this in the first place? Because I think sometimes people can think that the main reason you get it is because you hope that the person is going to get physically better. And sometimes that does happen, praise God. Sometimes someone has received sacraments of anointing of the sick when it seemed as if there was no turning back and seemed to have a miraculous recovery. So Mm -hmm. we, we praise the Lord for that. But physical healing is not the primary effect or, or the consequence of, of the sacrament. What the sacrament at its core is providing is in a particular way graces to help the person suffer well. And so this is, again, how the right would word it. It says, those who are seriously ill need the special help of God's grace in this time of anxiety, lest they be broken in spirit and under the pressure of temptation, perhaps weakened in their faith. This is why, through the sacrament of anointing, Christ strengthens the faithful who are afflicted by illness, providing them with the strongest means of support. So again, that kind of gets back to what I was saying earlier in that, yes, sometimes Christ does bring about miraculous physical healings, uh, but the sacrament is first and foremost giving the person the grace that they need in a time when they're not only physically suffering, but because they're physically suffering, there's also the mental, the emotional, and the spiritual toll that uh, needs God's grace in as well. And again, going back to your story, Mary Kay, I personally have not gone through a serious enough illness to where I've seen this play out. I mean, I've, I've had my own struggles in those different areas, but not quite like all four of them combined in an intense way. So I, I can't necessarily appreciate what that would be like, but would you say that when you were in that place where you had to receive the anointing of the sick, did you see kind of all four of those pillars start to to crumble a little bit or at least feel weakened because of what it is that you were going through? I would say it definitely strengthened me. I remember that first night right after Jason left, I didn't realize that I was going to be put into the isolation unit until just before when they were breaking me there. And so I had to say goodbye to my husband, not knowing if I was going to see him again. And I didn't get to be with my husband and my kids. And how many days old were your kids at this point? The boys were probably around like two weeks old. Yeah, yeah. that's crazy. Yeah. You know, as a mom, you're, you're trying to nurture your newborns and give them what they need. But I feel like he really gave me the graces that I needed because throughout my stay in the hospital, you know, different family members would text me and whatnot. And they were all really concerned because they knew it wasn't looking good. And so I would have different family members texting me and I was able to comfort them. But I was able to say, I remember there was a cross, not a crucifix, but a cross right across from my bed. And I would just take comfort in that and stare at the cross and know he knew what I was going through. Mm -hmm. Because Christ, when he was on the cross, had a hard time breathing and all the things that he had to do just to be able to breathe, you know, lift up on his wounds and whatnot and mm-hmm. cause even more pain in his body. 
to be able to breathe. And so I was able to comfort my family members through the comfort and the strength that he was giving me through the sacrament of the anointing of the sick. It was really helpful to me, and it gave me comfort that I knew that my family was being taken care of, my kids were being taken care of, and I think it gave me more consolation at the time than I realized, but now looking back on it, I really do see it. Because being in the hospital room by yourself, you can really let your thoughts run away with you, especially, you know, they say an idle mind is the devil's workshop. Well, mm. you know, what else are you going to do when you're sitting in a hospital room all by yourself? Sure, sure. Yeah, I really feel like he gave me the strength and comfort that I needed in that moment. That's beautiful. I remember you shared that, uh, I think, when you were on your very first episode when we had you on and you, you shared that experience. And something that struck me then is striking me again now is with all the sacraments, all of the sacraments are seeking to draw us into deeper union with Jesus and uh, so all the way from baptism, we're, we're baptized into Jesus. That relationship, that union begins. The Eucharist, it gets strengthened. And right there, as you're talking about receiving anointing of the sick and how you were able to see the fruits of it in seeing how your sufferings were in union with Jesus on the cross, that was just a, just a really beautiful awareness that was able to come about with the help of the sacrament and the graces that, again, help bring us into deeper union with Jesus. So beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, of course. So how many times can we get anointed? If I'm in the hospital for a week, like I was, can I receive it every day that I'm there? Not quite, although I guess technically it's hypothetically possible. So here's the very brief answer, okay? So the church says you can have the sacraments again if you recover from being anointed, but then you again fall ill. So let's say, you know, someone has stage two cancer, they receive anointing, they are in remission, praise the Lord, but then, you know, after a few months, they're back into stage two, they can receive anointing again. The other time you can receive anointing again is if you have the same illness, but your condition becomes more serious. So you had stage two cancer, you were anointed, unfortunately, another month goes by and now you're at stage four, the suffering has become more intense, you can feel free to utilize the sacrament again. Mm-hmm. So, All right. What about if a person isn't conscious, can they still receive the sacrament? Good. So, again, the sacraments are for the living, not the dead. So the person does have to be alive in order to receive the anointing of the sick sacrament. But, yeah, I mean, let's say someone's driving home from work, they're in a car crash, they have, you know, serious injuries, they're in the ICU, they're not able to be conscious. Or, you know, you have grandma who has a stroke and now she's in a coma. Well, can she still receive the sacraments? Well, Again, in the right, it says that the sacraments of anointing is to be conferred on sick people who, although they have lost consciousness or the use of reason, have, as Christian believers, at least implicitly asked for it when they were in control of their faculties. So in other words, yes, if grandma's the kind of person who you think if she were to be awake right now, she would appreciate the sacrament, then yes, the priest can still anoint the person even if they're not able to respond. Or sometimes, yes, yeah, somebody can be nonverbal. Maybe they're they're awake, they're conscious, but they're not able to really respond in any way. As long as you don't foresee there being any block that they wouldn't have wanted this, then the priest can feel free to to anoint the person. Now, what about, for example, the priests on the battlefield? Mm. Because I feel like I've seen it, or at least heard it mentioned, where priests will go around and check. I can't, I don't know if they 
either give a blessing to these soldiers or whatnot if they've already passed or if they're still alive and give them the anointing of the sick at the very end. I don't know if there's a difference there, but can you enlighten us on that? Sure. So I, I don't know necessarily the exact situation you're referring to, but I do know that in the right, there is a section full of prayers for somebody who has already died. So okay. there are certain prayers that you can say for someone who has just passed away. There's an emergency situation. I drive up to the hospital. Unfortunately, I'm too late. And the person is very clearly has passed away. There's not like some slight chance that maybe they are still alive. It's like, no, it's 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 pretty certain that they've passed. I can't give anointing of the sick, but there are certain really beautiful prayers that can be prayed for somebody who has died. Again, it's not the same as receiving the sacrament, but it is a a beautiful way not only to pray for the person, but a big part of it as well is that oftentimes there's family members or friends who are around, and so the prayers are really beneficial for everyone who's gathered around to kind of help lift up their hearts and minds to God in this uh, time of challenge. Okay, cool. Yeah. How do you set up an appointment for Sacrament of the Sick. I mean, I know most of the time I just text you and I'm like, hey, Padre. Right, which, yeah, <laughs> some of our listeners probably don't have their priest's number on speed dial. So, yeah, real simply, if you're in a hospital, oftentimes there is a Catholic priest chaplain who sometimes he just comes around to all the rooms and you can just request it then or, you know, you can ask your nurse and say, hey, I would like to receive the sacraments and they'll either reach out to the chaplain that's in the hospital or they have a system where they're able to call a, a priest in the nearby area who can come. If you're not necessarily in the hospital, maybe you're in the home or it's in hospice care or something, you can call your local parish. The priest can come out to where you're at. Or if the person is able and they would prefer, they can come to the church either way. And again, just as kind of a reminder, you don't have to wait until the last minute to schedule that appointment. Again, you don't have to wait until the person is at the end to ask for the anointing of the sick. Now, Obviously, sometimes that's outside of your control. Things happen, emergencies happen, and you know you just got to kind of reach out last minute. But if you can help it, if you do have like a week where you know it would be good for Father to come at some point that week, you know, let him know so that it's not, hey, we need you absolutely right now, drop everything. Again, sometimes it happens. And the final thing that I would say on all of these questions, on this idea of setting up an appointment, and just the last thing I would say about anointing, you know, a lot of times I have seen people say, uh, I don't want to inconvenience father. You know, I, I don't, I don't want to reach out. He's, he's such a busy guy and, you know, he's got a lot on his plate. I don't, I don't want to add one more thing. And that, uh, it just frustrates me as a priest because like, that's the stuff I want to be busy about. That's mm -hmm. the stuff that I gave my life over to be able to do. And so, yeah, I, I may be busy. I may have a lot on my plate, but do not worry about inconveniencing the priest. You know, if you if you need the sacrament, like, please reach out and don't have this sort of, oh, no, I don't want to bother Father. Like, just, just do it. Nike, just do it. Oh, for sure. I mean, I don't know how many times I've reached out to you to see if you can see different people that I know that have needed anointing of the sick. And I feel like half the time it's my mom who's asking me to get a hold of you. <laughs> And I'm always like, oh, okay, mom, I'll see what I can do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the middleman. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's it's not an inconvenience. And I think a lot of times we need to remember that. But So, I mean, there's a lot of other things we could talk about with, you know, the history of it, et cetera. But that was just kind of the bare basics of what exactly is this sacrament? What's the difference between anointing and last rites? So I think we covered everything that I think should be known about this sacrament. You think uh, we covered all our bases? Yeah, I okay. think so. I think it was 
enlightening. Sweet. Praise the Lord. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess with that, then we can transition into the one joys. Mary Kate, right. what was a joy for you this week? All right. So I'm going to share my inner nerd here. Love it. This is a safe place. Yeah. So I uh, got Lord of the Rings Monopoly for Christmas. Wow. And it's been a blast to play, probably because the times that we have played it, I've solidly been quite ahead of my husband in the game. And uh, How does it feel? It's it's phenomenal because <laughs> half the time he wins every game that we play, whether it's card game, board game, doesn't matter, he will win. Mm-hmm. And so, like, sweet victory is just... Oh, yeah. It's awesome. But I also got uh, an actual, like, box set of The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings as a, as a book set, too. So I was really excited about that because it's actually my favorite book. So mm. definitely uh, that's my one joy. Very cool. What about you, Padre? What's your one joy? So I have a trip to the Holy Land coming up right around the corner. So I've been getting pretty pumped about that. I did get to go once in seminary, but I'll be able to go back again now as a priest. And just looking forward to, again, going to some of those famous sites that we hear about in the Gospels and being able to pray the Mass at some of these places where Jesus walked the earth. And yeah, I'm just really pumped for whatever graces the Lord has in store for me while I'm there. So that has been just anticipating that trip has been filling me with joy recently. Awesome, so, awesome. Cool. Yeah. I know when we went to Rome, it was really cool to see, you know, all these different places that you can only hear about half the time. So mm-hmm. I feel like going to the Holy Land would just be phenomenal. Yep. And how awesome that you get to go a second time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Sweet. Yep. Well, good. Well, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Hope this was helpful for you. Hope it was enlightening. Help it help you to uh, keep uh, plugging along here in these days where everybody's getting sick, you know. We want to pray to the Lord, ask Him for His strength and His grace. Uh, Know of our prayers for all of you, and God bless you. God bless.